Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. You're listening to KCBS In-Depth. Really, in order to find quality care, you often have to be on a wait list that's months long. The people, places, and issues the Bay Area is talking about. The aggressive advocates who were looking to overrule Roe for so long, they really had no idea of the consequences they might be opening up. In this case, there very well may be charges that are appropriate. For example, trying to obstruct an official proceeding of Congress, right? That is unlawful. This is KCBS In-Depth. When this year ends, the mayors of two of the Bay Area's largest cities, Oakland and San Jose, will be terming out of office. Today in the program, we discuss the elections that'll decide who's going to replace them. Welcome to KCBS In-Depth, your weekly deep dive into the events and trends shaping life in the Bay Area and beyond. I'm Keith Manconi. Well, with the November election just a month away, we're now entering the home stretch of campaign season. So we're going to check in on the mayoral races in both San Jose and Oakland to see how these hotly contested elections are shaping up. People are seeing it as an opportunity to forge a new path. The plan for today is simple. We've got two elections to catch up on and two reporters who have been covering those races who are going to join us in a little bit to bring us all up to speed. And whether or not you actually live in Oakland or San Jose, these are races worth watching because the challenges that these cities are grappling with, housing affordability, homelessness, crime, they are the same set of challenges facing just about every city in the Bay Area. So whoever ends up becoming mayor in these cities will go on to play a big role in defining the shape of local politics throughout the region for years to come. So with all that in mind, we're going to start out in Oakland, where longtime Mayor Libby Schaff is terming out after eight years in office. Her impending departure has attracted a crowded field of candidates hoping to replace her. But in recent weeks, some clear frontrunners have emerged. To tell us about it, we're going to welcome on our first guest for the program, San Francisco Chronicle reporter Sarah Ravani, who covers Oakland and the East Bay for the paper. Sarah Ravani, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. 
So let's draw out the contours of the political landscape that this election is playing out upon. Uh, After eight years with Schaff, how is Oakland feeling as uh, she gets ready to head for the door? Well, people are frustrated with the state of the city, which isn't exactly unusual when a political leader is leaving office after serving their full term. Um, She's been the mayor for eight years and has accomplished a lot during her tenure. But at the same time, there are a lot of people who are eager for change. There was an Oakland Chamber of Commerce poll that was taken last fall that found 64% of likely voters said the city is on the wrong track. Homelessness has increased over the past three years by 24%. And before that, Oakland had one of the highest Bay Area increases in homelessness in 2019 by more than 40%. Violent crime is also increasing. Oakland reported a record number of homicides last year, 124, which was the highest toll it had reported since 2012. And it looks like the city could reach a similar level this year. In addition, people are frustrated with illegal dumping, trash on the streets. So there's a lot going on that's going to impact this race. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like the story of this election cycle in Oakland and in much of the rest of the Bay Area is going to be frustration, these calls for change. Let's talk about now who is taking up those calls. Who are the candidates who are stepping in to offer some vision of change. There are actually 10 in total in Oakland, uh, but it seems like the major endorsements at this point are all going towards just two of them. Yes. So like you said, there are 10 candidates. They include politicians, current council members, former school board members, community activists, and the two candidates that have kind of emerged as the leaders of the race because they've raised the most money are Lauren Taylor and Shang Tao. They are both sitting council members in their first terms who are giving up their seats to run. Another council member who is running is Trevor Reed, who was elected to the council in 2020 to take over the seat her father held in East Oakland. And then we have Ignacio De La Fuente. He was a council member serving the Fruitvale area from 1992 to 2013. All right. So for anybody who is not living in Oakland and is not following these politics closely, how should we think about Sheng Tao and Lauren Taylor? What kinds of political coalitions are they drawing together? Yeah. Well, we've seen the unions, which are a pretty powerful force in Oakland, unequivocally back uh, Tao. She's also secured an endorsement from the Alameda County Democratic Party, which is a big deal. And then we've seen Mayor Libby Schaff, Mayor London Breed in San, San Francisco, and San Jose Mayor Sam Licardo, former Stockton Mayor Michael Tubbs, they're all backing Lauren Taylor. He's kind of secured the establishment endorsement. Um, you know, before the endorsements really kicked in, we had seen some internal polls that showed voters were still undecided. So it'll definitely be interesting to see how this plays out. And uh, Sheng Tao, Lauren Taylor, are, are these two well-known figures in Oakland politics? Lauren Taylor and Sheng Tao are council members. They're well-known within their districts, but these endorsements will really help because it'll give them better name recognition citywide with people who may not follow you know, local Oakland politics as closely as, as some others do. All right. Uh, just going to reintroduce you real quick. Speaking once again to San Francisco Chronicle reporter Sarah Ravani. She covers Oakland and the East Bay, telling us a little bit about how the race for Oakland's mayor is shaping up at the moment. So as you mentioned, there is just a, a bevy of issues that these whoever takes this office is going to be facing on day one. 
let's talk about how some of those issues are being discussed uh, through the course of this election, maybe uh, starting with crime, hot button issue in Oakland as it is elsewhere in the Bay Area. What are the dividing lines between these candidates uh, on the question of crime, uh, the you know the the rising the forms of crime that are rising in Oakland, uh, and how to deal with it? You know what should be done with the police force. That has definitely been a big question. How many police officers should the Oakland Police Department have? You have candidates who say the police department should have 900 officers. They have about 680 right now. Um, And then you have some candidates who say we should have, you know, 752 officers, which is what they're budgeted for. Um, All the candidates are pretty clear about where they stand. They think the police department should staff up. They want to invest more in violence prevention. You have some candidates like Ignacio de la Fuente who say um, they're going to give, you know, unbridled support to the police department. You have candidates like Seneca Scott, who's a community activist, um, who says he wants to go through all the city departments and make cuts, kind of trim the fat, so to say, to give more funds to the police department. And then you have Lauren Taylor and Shang Tao, who want to support the police department, say they support the police department while also investing in prevention. Uh, Shang Tao has been very vocal about investing in more job training centers, um, you know, doing more to address some of the root causes of crime. So it's definitely a hot topic issue. People are incredibly worried in Oakland. We've had a week here just a couple weeks ago where there were eight homicides in just seven days. Yeah, definitely high on the minds of a lot of folks. And it sounds like the defund the police call really isn't even in the political landscape on the spectrum at this point. I've actually spoken with Lauren Taylor previously on this program about his position, and he was trying to find that middle ground where, uh, from his view, there there is not a contradiction between supporting the police and supporting some of those other uh, social services that prevent crime that you were referencing there. Is that middle ground, do you feel like something that's going to resonate with uh, voters or, you know, some of the more uh, further right positions of doing whatever we can to staff up police? Uh, Is that more the mood that Oakland is in at this point? Well, I think we need to be really clear. Oakland never defunded their police department. Mm. Um, And so I think right now there are a lot of feelings around this issue. There are people who really advocate for investing more in the social programs, um, addressing root causes. And then there are people who are really frightened by what they're seeing kind of happen in their neighborhoods and on the streets. So I think, you know, the candidate that can kind of tread that balance and that line, that's, that's what people are looking for. Yeah. All right. So let's go on to another hot button issue, homelessness and housing. What are we hearing from the candidates on that front? Yeah. So, you know, one thing um, that Shang Tao has proposed is is creating an enhanced infrastructure financing district over the city that would essentially take property tax and put it toward affordable housing. So she wants to create something that would capture property tax over five years, and that property tax would then go toward funding more affordable housing projects. Shang Tao and Lauren Taylor have been very vocal about the need for more affordable housing in Oakland. Oakland is very behind on its affordable housing goals. 
But there are also candidates like Ignacio de la Fuente who say affordable housing is not a priority of his. His priority is really addressing crime and the increase of encampments throughout the city. So it'll mm-hmm. be interesting to see how voters respond to that. Yeah. So it definitely does seem like there is a little bit of a spectrum in terms of how the candidates are thinking about that particular issue. And then there is the issue that is unique to Oakland, the what is to be done uh, about the Oakland A's and their uh, plan to build a waterfront stadium at the Port of Oakland. Uh, How are the candidates staking out their ground on that one? What's been interesting is that the mayoral forums that I have been to this year, the A's ballpark has not been a question that's been asked of Hmm. the candidates. Um, regardless of that, whoever becomes mayor next year is going to have to, you know, lead the city in terms of what they'll do with the A's and the waterfront ballpark. You know, there was a lot of momentum and a lot of pressure and a lot of hope that the A's and the city would come to an agreement this year that this current city council and this current mayor would have a final vote on a package, on a development, you know, agreement between the two sides, but that hasn't happened yet. So it's likely that it'll go to the next administration. So it's going to be a really big issue for whoever takes the role. And I've heard from candidates like Shang Tao who have said, you know, she'll support a deal if there are backstops, that it doesn't jeopardize the city's general fund. She wants to make sure the city is protected. And I think all the candidates pretty much feel that way. Lauren Taylor also feels that way, that he wants to make sure it's a good deal for the city. Um, And then there are some candidates, you know, like Greg Hodge, who is a former school board member who doesn't support the A's ballpark. Yeah. So there again, a spectrum. And I guess one of the things that that speaks to uh, really is just the fact that there are so many issues that are going to face whoever is leading Oakland in the years ahead. And uh, really, this is going to test uh, whoever takes that office. Yeah, this race is a huge deal. Oakland is grappling with some really big issues that is playing out region-wide. You know, we talked about homelessness, and then we talked about violent crime. On top of that, you've got a police department that entered a probationary period this year to end their, um, you know, court-mandated federal monitor. That's a huge deal, and it will be the next mayor's responsibility, as well as the police chief, to ensure they're able to come out of that federal oversight. So there's a lot at stake here. All right. Well, a lot at stake and a lot still to be determined as we head towards election night. Giving us this look has been San Francisco Chronicle reporter Sarah Ravani, who once again covers Oakland and the East Bay. Sarah Ravani, thanks so much. Thank you. This is KCBS In-Depth, your weekly deep dive into the events and trends shaping life in the Bay Area and beyond. I'm Keith Manconi. Today in the program, we're taking a closer look at the elections that'll decide who will become the next mayors of Oakland and San Jose. We just heard how things are shaping up in Oakland. Up next, we're going to head to the South Bay and dive into the race in San Jose. To break it down for us, we're going to welcome on now Jenna Kata, a reporter with San Jose Spotlight covering City Hall. Jenna, welcome to KCBS In-Depth. Thanks for having me. So once again, uh, we have another longtime mayor terming out, uh, San Jose Mayor Sam Licardo in this case. Uh, But over here in San Jose, 
the primary has already narrowed things down to the top two contenders. Here we're talking about Matt Mahan and Sidney Chavez. Uh, and we'll get to know the candidates more in just a second. Uh, but first, Jenna, what's the mood of the city as Election Day approaches? Uh, in Oakland's race, we just heard a lot about voter frustration and concern over the problems of crime and homelessness. Are we seeing a similar story play out in San Jose? Certainly. I mean, those are the big two talking points that we're hearing from our mayoral candidates and the concerns that we're hearing from residents. And so, you know, when you look at Mayor Licardo's eight years as mayor, he even admits that his biggest failure is the homelessness issue. We've seen it skyrocket despite all of these efforts, these interim housing sites, you know, homelessness still increases. So I would say that's the biggest issue here in San Jose. Yeah, so definitely some consistent themes uh, throughout the Bay Area. And uh, let's meet the candidates who say that they have the answers. Uh, Matt Mahan, Cindy Chavez, uh, who are they? Who are their backers? Yeah, so we've got Matt Mahan, who is a relatively newcomer to politics. Uh, Before winning his seat on the city council in 2020, he worked at two civic engagement startups. Um, he He was also on the executive board of the Silicon Valley Leadership Group. Um, And he's got the backing of more of the business coalition in San Jose. So the Silicon Valley Biz PAC, um, this new PAC formed by uh, Mayor Sam Ricardo, who stepped down, and his chief of staff, Jim Reed, which is called Common Good, and a couple of other developers um, and millionaires, billionaires. On the other side, we have Cindy Chavez. She is a county supervisor serving since 2013. She was on the city council from 1996 to 2006, and she uh, was the head of the South Bay Labor Council, which represents more than 100,000 union members in the region. So she is the labor candidate, Um, and she's got backing from a lot of the labor PACs and groups, but she's also got support from a lot of unexpected people and groups. For example, she's seen $400,000 from the 49ers in special interest funds um, for TV ads. She's got the support of Carl Gardino, who's one of Licardo's best friends. She's also got the support of all of the city council, except for Licardo and uh, Mayhem, which is really interesting because she's been able to snag some business leaning city council candidates. Yeah, so this is an interesting race because, uh, as you're kind of alluding to right there, the traditional divide in San Jose politics is between pro-labor camp and the pro-business camp. But this uh, mayor's race really does seem to be scrambling that up a little bit with, uh, as you said, Cindy Chavez getting support from uh, both sides. Now, another dynamic to all of this at the same time is the fact that Cindy Chavez has been around uh, an awful lot longer than Matt Mahan. And that's opened up this other dimension to the race where, on the one hand, you might have what you could consider the establishment candidate, Cindy Chavez, who has been in local politics for years and years and years, currently a a county supervisor, but before that was a city council member in San Jose. So a well-known face, Matt Mahan, a relative uh, newcomer. How is that dimension? of having the newcomer versus the establishment candidate. How is that playing out in this election? Yeah, so, I mean, that's what they each point to as their strengths and their opponent's weaknesses. Um, Chavez points to her years of experience in government and other local organizations as a strength because she's able to 
put uh, work together with different groups, people from different political spectrums and make things happen. Um, and Mahan will say, well, I, we don't, we're seeing the effect of your leadership and it's not good enough. And the people who feel the same way or feel that the government isn't working for them tend to feel a little bit more sympathetic to his message. And he's saying, I'm coming in with new ideas, a new perspective to hold city, city hall accountable. So you should vote for me because I haven't been playing that game. I'm not sucked into the establishment. Yeah, no, it's it's really interesting. And I've uh, spoken to uh, Larry Gersten, a local political scientist, who said it's sort of an open question, which one of those messages is uh, going to resonate more? Just uh, is this a change election where people really are looking for that change? And uh, Matt Mahan may be seen as the person who can deliver that, or are they uh, looking for that steady hand and that uh, familiar face? So we're uh, certainly going to learn a lot more as we approach Election Day. Speaking once again to Jenna Keda, a reporter with San Jose Spotlight, she's covering City Hall and breaking down the San Jose mayor's race well, as we approach it. We're right now about a month away from Election Day, so really in the home stretch at this point. And I guess another uh, element of this race that is worth reflecting on is just the massive amount of money that has been spent on it. This is a, a record-breaking race at this point? Yes, certainly, um, especially in special interest money. So we, to date, We've seen $2.4 million spent in special interest money. And the candidates collectively have raised $1.7 million. So that's about four, more than $4 million in this race, uh, which is staggering. And so we've seen some crazy numbers from unexpected players. I mentioned this earlier. I mean, the 49ers coming into the San Jose mayoral race is pretty interesting. Um, in these last three months, they... Uh, spent $420,000 to support Cindy Chavez in TV ads. We're also seeing big spending from, you know, South Bay Labor Council. Um, We are also seeing notable spending from, you know, the the newly formed PAC, Common Good, which, you know, it's not matching up necessarily to the 49ers, it's not the same, but what's notable is that it's coming from Licardo's office in a sense, right? Licardo helped start it. Now he's stepped down. Jim Reed is the one who's leading it. But I mean, to be clear, the lion's share of special interest funding is come, is in support of Chavez. Yeah, but uh, overall spending seems like they're roughly evenly matched. Uh, I think in overall spending, maybe Matt Mahan is outpacing Cindy Chavez just, just a hair, correct? In purse in their own fundraising for their uh, campaigns, uh, they he is about a hundred thousand dollars. He's raised about a hundred thousand dollars more than her, uh, and he points he points to that as a point of pride, saying that you know we've seen smaller donations, we've seen um, more donations from San Jose. Well, it's a, a very interesting dynamic, and we're going to have to see what it all amounts to. Um, I guess let's get away from the horse race of it all for a second and dive into the actual policy measures. We've alluded to some of the top campaign issues a little bit earlier, but let's talk a little bit more about how they're playing out. Uh, First of all, housing and homelessness. How are the candidates positioning themselves on this issue? Yeah, they, what's interesting is they don't tend to be that different in what the solution is. Uh, More housing, right? Um, Chavez points to her ability to work with different groups 
to bring these interim housing sites, these long-term affordable housing sites to, to fruition and says she's willing to work along, along the political spectrum, right, to get these things done. Mayhan is more of the person who is looking at City Hall and saying, we're not spending our money wisely. We need to invest more in interim housing solutions because it's cheaper. We need to figure out how to make it cheaper. And so I'm gonna be that accountability candidate who met, who uses metrics and data to figure out what, where things are going wrong. And so that seems to be the difference between them. All right. Interesting. So it seems here we are talking about uh, differences in approaches, but still very uh, similar goals when it comes to uh, housing and homelessness. On to the other hot button issue, the issue of law and order and uh, most especially what to do about uh, the police force. Now, interestingly, in San Jose, police staffing has been seen as a problem, understaffing, that is, for quite a long time. Uh, Mayor Sam Licardo has been bemoaning the relatively low staffing compared to other big cities in America for many years now, never gave much lip service at all to the defund the police movement, uh, really at any point, even uh, in, at, the, at the height of protests in uh, 2020. Um, so uh, we, we have here two candidates that both, uh, again, uh, share the goal of growing the police force. How are they saying that they want to do that? And uh, what is the broader vision that they're bringing here? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you said it perfectly. There is no discussion of defunding the police. In fact, mm. in fact they want to invest more and more and staff up the San Jose Police Department. Um, for Chavez is positioning herself up as the police candidate. She's gotten the backing of the San Jose Police Union um, and other notable leaders there. Uh, and she says that the city needs to look at SJPD's overtime and allocate that money toward recruiting officers. And she really wants to focus on officers who represent the community, particularly more women officers. Mahan agrees that the city needs to staff up with, uh, with its police force, but the problem is that SJPD is not retaining officers. And so that the city needs to be more competitive with pay. It is worth noting, though, that most, if you look at the top 10 highest paid employees in San Jose, I think seven of them are police officers. So, mm, yeah, they're, but they are still leaving San Jose and going to other cities where, where they make more money or they have they have more police on staff. So they have, don't have to do as much work. Huh. So it's a kind of a vicious cycle in a way. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So there again, uh, there is some overlap between these two candidates, uh, at least in terms of the goals that they say they're pushing towards for the city. Uh, and it kind of echoes our last conversation in Oakland, where, broadly speaking, uh, the frontrunner candidates uh, seem to agree on the major challenges that are facing the city. Uh, uh, the disagreements come down more to what exactly is to be done uh, in response. Uh, but still, uh, despite these areas of overlap, uh, here in San Jose, the, the stakes of this election are seem to be very high. I mean, look no further than the uh, record spending that we've been discussing throughout this conversation. Um, so to close out, uh, Jenna Kata, with uh, the spotlight again, maybe you could speak to that sense of urgency about this election. You know, why is this seen as such a pivotal race? I think people are, you know, people are seeing it as an opportunity to forge a new path. Right. We've and this is in two different ways. We've had a business leading mayor for eight years. 
Chavez is the Labour candidate. So maybe this is an opportunity to change paths and focus a little bit more on labor issues. At the same time, Chavez has been in politics for over 20 years. Mahan has been in politics for two years. So this is a, a, mm-hmm. a path to potentially, you know, this is a, an opportunity to change course and go with the newcomer. And we're also at a time coming out of COVID where we're seeing a lot of economic distress, potentially heading into a recession. People are barely able to afford living here. I mean, the wealth inequality is huge in San Jose. And this is an important race for them as well. I mean, it's their future. Are they going, are they going to stay in San Jose? We're seeing reports that more people are leaving San Jose than ever before because they simply can't afford it. So we're at a time where people are really looking at their city or their local government to help give them that support to get back on their feet. And um, they're deciding who's best to get them there. All right. Well, I think that that sums it all up pretty well. And we're going to leave it right there. Uh, we have been speaking one last time to Jenna Kata. She's a reporter with San Jose Spotlight covering City Hall. Jenna Kata, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening. For KCBS and In-Depth, I'm Keith Manconi. Stay safe, be well. Talk again next week. You've been listening to KCBS In-Depth. Get every episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Visit kcbsradio.com for more news and interviews. We are the Bay Area's news station, KCBS. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.